Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. Uh, we're really trying to grow the podcast and it would really help us if you would leave us a review. So go on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast and leave us a review. It's going to help more people find out about us. So we appreciate it. Now let's get to the show. And we're back with the Coyote Fitness Podcast. Hunter here coming to you from the Flowwood Recording Studios once again with Caleb. And today we are going to talk about PRs. Specifically, we're going to talk about um, what to do if you are going for a PR and you don't set a new PR. Maybe it's you're going for a new max and a lift and you don't hit what you were hoping to hit. Or maybe you're uh, redoing a benchmark workout and you go slower than you did the last time or you're not able to set a PR. And so that is part of the fitness journey and we've all been there. And so we want to kind of talk about where to go from there, you know, kind of what to do as far as, uh, mentally, if you're feeling you know down about not setting a PR and, uh, just kind of talk about ways to, uh, maybe troubleshoot, uh, and figure out what happened or, uh, just ways to kind of mentally, um, move on to the, uh, the next day. If you're uh, disappointed in your, in your outcome from the previous day. Hunter thought that I'd be good to talk about this because uh, not setting PRs is a seems to be a specialty. And For you, so he he thought that it'd be good to have me on and get I, a lot of my thoughts on this topic. I think I'm the probably the pro at not being able to set PRs because I don't. Yeah, I famous don't know for I'm, famous I'm, for your your line of uh, maybe never setting another one. Yeah, and, I might never set another <laughs> one except for days lived or workouts completed. Uh, luckily, I left enough out there to where I hadn't quite peaked yet. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, I, I thought this would be a good topic. We just, um, have been finishing up some, um, off season, uh, fall strength tests and some, some benchmark workouts and, um, kind of coming to the end of a really long off season strength and endurance type training. And, uh, so with that, we, we did some maxes over the last couple of weeks and, um, we saw a ton of people setting PRs, which is always really fun to see, but also, you know, there's always gonna be people that don't set PRs. And so we kind of want to talk about where, what, what, what do you say to somebody if they are, say we're doing, uh, today we're doing front squat max, say we're doing a front squat max, they come in, they're excited about it. Uh, they have what they did previously already pulled up on their sugar wad and then they go into the class and do it and they fail their PR attempt and they almost got it or didn't quite get it, or maybe they weren't even close. So where do you start the conversation, Caleb, if you're coaching, um, somebody through that and they are all that you can just see the dejection in their face when they, um, maybe don't hit what they were hoping to hit when they came in front door. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many directions we could go with this. Uh, generally, if you're just like in the moment, someone doesn't hit a PR, um, it can be as simple as like, Hey, tell me what's what's the lot, you know, were you, ex- were you expecting a PR? Usually that's where we start because sometimes someone doesn't hit a PR and they're like, yeah, I hadn't front squatted in four weeks. And it's like, Oh, it would have been nice. And so in that case, then you probably don't have to dig too much into it. They're not really, it's, you know, they're, they weren't looking forward to it. They didn't have it on their schedule and like, Oh, Thursday, I'm going to try to PR. And so you kind of want to differentiate what was the level of investment and expectation for those. And I think what we're talking about today is geared towards those who are saying, Hey, I worked really hard through the last 12 weeks and 
you know, I really want to, I really think that I feel stronger in this lift and then that doesn't happen. Then I think you kind of start in the short term and say, let's, let's talk about the last, um, the last 48 hours. What does that look like for you? Did you feel like you slept well? Um, you know, are you, do you have an ache or something that your body's just like telling you, Hey, you know, something's not going well or, you know, something's hurting. And so generally I like to start with what is the last two days look like? And did you sleep well? You know, how did you eat before this? What was your, did your eating schedule get thrown off? Uh, and oftentimes those things can be, uh, be kind of a, uh, more or less just like an educational tool for us to realize that when you're going, especially if you've been training for multiple years and working out for years, the chances of PRing become very small. And then you have to realize those little details become the big details. Um, and so, you know, if someone's at the gym for the first year that they've ever squatted, they're probably going to PR regularly. But if someone's been in the gym for three years or four years or more, then we have to start looking and saying, man, there's probably a lot of days where they've PR'd and felt good. And so the chances of that coming up again, we're going to have to start looking at your diet. We're going to have to make sure you sleep well, you know, eating, especially for a strength lift, eating a good meal and being fueled uh, for a lift that's heavier than you've ever done all become really big factors. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on with just starting with what was the expectation and was the expectation realistic? Have you been skipping the squat sessions for the last six weeks and come and but you're still coming in expecting to PR and that's something that um, needs to be dug into a little bit by the coach and uh, potentially the athlete as well as determining was it realistic to expect to set a PR today or not, depending on the amount of work you've been doing or the amount of sleep you've been doing, uh, been getting how your diet's been been going, all all the all the different things that could could go to go into play there. But I think just starting with expectation and saying, was this realistic today, based on where you've been in the past? And like you said, there's members at Coyote that have been coming ten years. If you've been doing training like this ten plus years, it gets harder and harder to set a PR. The the details that you have to you know, make sure you're doing, get bigger and bigger, get more and more important. Whereas somebody that's coming in the first six months, who's never even lifted a barbell before their, their numbers are going to go up extremely fast. You know, it, do, it really doesn't matter what you do when you're first starting out, you're going to get stronger. You're going to be setting a PR pretty much every single time you test a lift. Well, once you have been doing it in a couple of years, then you have to start making sure other things are in, in place, making sure you're getting enough sleep and recovery, making sure that your diet's um, in check, making sure you're getting enough protein, making sure that you're coming frequently enough, making sure your mobility is good. Your technique is right. Uh, you don't, like you mentioned previously, you don't have any nagging injuries. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into play. And so, um, the longer somebody has been doing, um, intense training, the more in depth we have to get into looking at the details and, and, what you've been doing. So that's, that's, that's where I would always start is what was the expectation? Was it realistic for you to expect to set a PR? Um, and then, then go from there. This, the second thing I would go for, go to go into is, um, the comparison of so-and-so lifted, got a 50 pound PR or whatever it is. Somebody got a huge PR and you didn't get as big of PR as, as you, as you thought you should, um, compared to them. And, or on, on the same token, maybe you didn't set a PR and your buddy did set a PR and you feel like you've been coming the same amount as them, 
um, and everything's dialed in. And so that's the, the next thing is a lot of times it's just a matter of looking at the person next to you and being, well, they got a PR. How come I didn't get a PR? You know, the, and that again, where we, the analogy that I like to use that really helped me is that when we're talking about our fitness, we're really talking about this long trajectory, upward trajectory of our health. And everyone is at different stages. And depending on the stage you're at, is and all these factors that we just talked about the sleep the nutrition the training the consistency all those things are going to be different for every single person based on their schedule at home their work schedule their family the commitments that they have outside of the gym uh, all the way to their health and you know whether they're battling a cold or you know have been sick in the last month or so all those different things are going to contribute to that and so when we get into the comparison game we realize that comparing different humans and their performance is really um, it's an unfair and it it's an unfair thing to do to yourself because there are thousands and thousands of small factors that go into um, that the biggest being your training age and like you said I you know no one who's been squatting for seven, eight years is going to set a 40 pound, a 40 pound PR without some like total commitment to probably that one lift, but someone who maybe just started, you know, and has been two or three years or maybe hadn't been in the gym very much. And all of a sudden they get back in the gym. They may see this huge jump because they just, or their technique, maybe they get a really great technique cue from their coach that you may have learned five years ago. And so you've been squatting that way, but maybe they just learned it and all of a sudden they see a big jump. That's not right. It, it, it wouldn't be fair to yourself to expect that. And so when you start looking at factors, I think that can really help with your, um, almost the positivity that you feel about yourself and your, and your progress when you realize that we're on this long trajectory and we're all at different places where progress maybe happens faster. But you know, the person who makes a 40 pound PR today in the next cycle is likely not going to make a 45, a 40 pound PR the next time. So maybe they're in the place where they work hard to get five more pounds. Mm -hmm. And so it's all just different timing. Uh, it's, it's different times for different individuals. And just because you're not in the exact same time to make a big jump doesn't mean that the success wasn't equally as large. Uh, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of people, like you said, they work, uh, there's that famous Usain Bolt quote where he said he trained four years to run nine seconds. And, you know, those, a, a runner who's been, you know, focused on the hundred meter dash is never going to PR by a second. They're never going to PR by half a second. They're working for years and years and years to cut tenths of a second or hundredths of a second off their time. So when you see somebody that makes a big jump, you know, that's an encouragement to them because they're in the early stages, but it may not be realistic for all of us. Yeah. The last thing I'll, I'll say on the comparing to yourself to what other people did. And we say, we see this mostly with like benchmark workouts and seeing a time somebody else put up and people being skeptical of that time or whatever. I will just say this, you will never be satisfied or content with your progress in the gym if you're constantly looking at what other people are doing, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be able to do something better than you. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be able to do things faster than you. There's so many different factors as far as, um, range of motion technique, uh, where they're doing the workout, you know, being able to count when they're tired. There's, there's a million and one different things that 
play into what what other people do that if you are basing your success off of how you compare it to what other people did you're 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 setting yourself up to constantly be miserable and not enjoy the progress and so if you can focus on your own progress and say you know what i gave it my best effort today i'm satisfied with that no matter what everybody else gets i'm not going to get worked up about what somebody else posted on sugar wad you will enjoy your fitness journey so much more than if you're constantly focused on what other people are doing and i don't believe they did that i i, I don't think they're they, they know how to count right or whatever it is that people say and trust me i'm saying all this because i've been there and i lived years of being frustrated um because of somebody else beating me in a workout or somebody else uh, lifting more than me or me fe feeling like somebody else wasn't meeting the standard um, that that I was. And so it wasn't until I got to the point where, you know what, I'm just going to do the best that I can. I'm going to be happy with it and I'm going to cheer other people on. And But I'm not going to be defined by whether somebody beats me or not on a workout. Until I reached that point, I was never truly able to fully enjoy my training. And I was there was constantly this nagging thought in my head of, well, but what, what about this other person? So I would just say that if you're always looking at what other people are doing and getting allowing that to get you worked up, um, or you're constantly dwelling on it, it's taking away, it's not only making it not as fun, but it's also taking away from the energy you could be put into your own workout and your own progress, so to speak. All right. So I got a question for you. We're talking about what to do when you don't hit a PR. Um, when we think about that, we need to think about also what goes into a PR yeah. so I can help understand if I don't get it, what, what should I maybe dig into? You know, if I gain weight, it helps to know how to lose weight so I can know what I didn't do. Uh, and so for us, when we, it's, when we think about, um, the actual lifting part, so we can, we can go into other details too, but for you, what do you see as the frequency of lifting, especially with a certain strength movement? a deadlift, a back squat, a front squat, a shoulder press. Um, how often, when would you say if someone hasn't done the lift enough, uh, is probably going to affect their ability to set a PR? It, there, there's so many variables that go into play there, depending on the person, their training age, how they actually attack the lift when they're doing it. Are they attacking uh, aggressively and trying to push the weight? Or are they, um, kind of keeping the weights light? Um, and there's also a lot of carryover between a front squat and a back squat or a deadlift. You can do a lot of front squatting and back squatting and uh, upper body pulling and improve your deadlift without ever deadlifting. Mm -hmm. And you can also improve, you know, uh, some other movements doing that. The first thing, the first place I would start is just how consistent are you coming to class in general? Are you coming to class? Um, on the days that we're doing lifting, are you coming to class on the days we're doing accessory strength? How frequent have you been, um, with your consistency? Because if you come week in and week out and you are doing the lifts consistently, you should be able to make progress. Number two is how adherent are you to the day-to-day -day class schedule? So are you really doing the mobility and, and paying attention mm -hmm. to it and, and attacking it? Or are you just kind of screwing around and, and talking to your buddy and just, um, you know, maybe doing it for 30 seconds. So, yeah. So like, I, I think an example today, we're doing the front squat and the mobility beforehand, there's 30 squats, there's 30 banded good mornings. Um, 
there's some shoulder circles and things that maybe are going to help loosen up the shoulders a little bit and get that front rack ready. Um, and each of those things, if you did, you know, half of that, or if you missed that, that for someone, especially someone who's been lifting for a little while and they have a, they have a max that's not brand new they're I mean, you're almost setting yourself up to, to not even be warm by the time you would get there. Exactly. And, and yeah. so, um, so I think that's a that's a huge point is your body has to be tuned up. That nervous system has to be mm-hmm. tuned up and ready to go uh, if you have any training age at all and you have a weight that's gonna be that's gonna be fairly heavy and your technique is you, you know, your technique is um, consistent. There's a lot of warming up that needs to go into it. Oh yeah. To expect yeah, that. that I would start number one with how just how consistent are you coming to the gym? Um, and then number two how serious are you taking the training when you're at the gym? Not just the last two sets that you worked up to, but all the mobility and warm up beforehand. Because like you said, if you just skip the warm up and say, I'm going to warm up and go ahead and throw the, you know, everybody else is doing the banding of mornings and the squats. I'm going ahead and throwing the bar up on the rack and I'm going to go ahead and start doing some squats. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting one thirty. you know, guys, I'm putting one thirty five on there and I'm just going from there. Well, it's going to take you, like you said, if we're doing uh, six sets every two minutes, it's going to take you pr- probably till the third or fourth set to even feel warm. So you're really not even getting anything out of those first three sets. So then instead of doing getting six sets of work, you only are really getting three sets of work. Whereas if you would have spent the time warming up, getting loose, um, building up accordingly, you could have gotten literally twice as much good work in as um, as you did if you, with, if you aren't taking it serious. So... Number one, how frequent are you coming? How consistent are you coming to the gym? Number two, how serious are you taking it when you get to the gym? And, you know, if you're not worried about setting a PR, that's completely fine. But don't expect to set PR if you're not being intentional about doing the work when you're there, Um, especially if you've been training for a while. I think a lot of people remember how much progress they made when they first started, you know, the beginner gain, so to speak. And, oh, this strength cycle is just the best strength cycle I ever did. I added 50 pounds to my back squat. Well, you would have added 50 pounds to your back squat doing pretty much anything because you have never done anything before. The farther along you get, the more important the details and how you do things becomes because the progress becomes harder and harder to grasp. And you can, you know, people that are trained at a high level can work a year for five pounds on a back squat or 10 pounds on a back squat. And that's very persistent, diligent training. And so, uh, that would be the second part I would look at is how, how are you going about your training when you actually come into the gym? Are you taking it serious? Or are you just kind of screwing around and, and building up with your friends and joking, which is completely fine if that's what you want to do, but don't expect to set PRs for very long. If that's the way you kind of go about things. The, the thing that I think about with that is, also the temptation to let the day feel like you have to win the day instead of thinking about it long term and for us we talk often about leaderboards because we do measure things and it's out there for people to see and one of the biggest contributors to or one of the biggest uh, detriments to our long-term progress is feeling like we want to put the best score up there when the workout is programmed to be uh, a weight that's across, which means we do the same weight for four, you know, say it's five sets of five. We want to do the same weight. That means we need to choose a weight where we can do all 25 reps the same. 
And oftentimes, again, we don't do the warm up. Maybe we have to warm up for those first couple sets. So we lose that volume. Um, and that's going to contribute over time to not getting the, the preparation for setting a PR and the strength that you can build. But also, if we, if we try to build across sets that are supposed to be across, we may get a little bit heavier. You may end up building to 300 when, you know, instead of, you know, hitting 275 for all 25 reps, you do 135, 185, 205, 235, and then you put one heavy weight on there and your score looks better on the back squats or, or the front squats, but the volume of weight that you lifted is much lower than someone who maybe even went a little bit lighter than that, but yeah. did all 20 reps or all 30 reps at that weight. And so that's another thing I would say too, is the intention behind, you know, our job programming is we want people to PR. That's a win for everyone. If you, if you do your best and part of strength work is taking your time and pacing out the weeks that it's going to take to build that and not feeling like you're trying to PR your, you know, the middle of a, of yeah. a strength cycle or PR every single day, your, you know, five reps. And so by being patient with that, just doing the work and being consistent with it, then, uh, then you're going to, you're going to save it for that time when you are going to need the person who does the most work over time and gets the most recovery from that work is going to make the most progress. And so you can literally calculate who did more work in that scenario. The person who did across did more work across the entire workout than the person who built up and did a heavy weight at the very end. Now there is definitely a time and a place for that. And that's why we structure, um, a year based around, different parts at times of the year, we're going to do different types of lifting. And there is a accumulation phase of five sets of five across, which is a very important time of the year. There's also a starting build to max intensity phase, which is more of a building. So you're doing less work, but you're going heavier at the end. So your body can recover from as we're preparing to try to max out. And so all that stuff plays a, plays a part into it. So all that to say, the, all this stuff is thought out beforehand for you and it's part baked into the program. So if you are following the program as it is written from the warm up and the mobility to the cool down and everywhere in between, and you do that consistently, you will make progress. If you're kind of picking and choosing what you do and, and how you do it and, and half-heartedly doing a lot of things, there's no guarantee that you will make progress because you're not really doing the program as it's written. You're kind of almost doing your own program at that point. So, um, all that to say, um, how you do it is, is almost as just as important as how often you're doing it. So then we can move on to the next part, which would be what other exterior factors, external factors are going on outside of the gym is how's your, what's your diet look like? Are you getting enough protein? A lot of people are way under eating on protein. And it's really hard to, to build muscle if they're under eating protein or they're at a major calorie deficit because they're trying to lose 30 pounds and you've lost 20 pounds in a month, you can't expect to have a, a strength PR if you're also losing weight at, at a very significant rate. It takes a very solid uh, meal plan to be able to lose weight and also build strength at the same time. That's very, very difficult to do, and you have to be very dialed in. It can be done, but you have to be dialed in, and you have to have your macros right, and you have to be hitting them right every single day. Um, so um, all of that plays that plays a role how much sleep you got? You mentioned, what was your sleep the last 48 hours? Uh, you know, for me, what I see is I can go the next day after a bad night of sleep and still be able to perform pretty well. It's the second day that it really catches up to me. So mm -hmm. say you're lifting on Tuesday and Sunday night, you just did not, or, or uh, 
Monday night, sorry, you did not sleep well at all. Sunday night, you slept great. Monday night, you were up late. Work was stressful. The kids were up. You didn't get very much sleep Monday night. Well, you come in Tuesday, you might still feel pretty good. You can get some caffeine and get hyped up and go. But that Wednesday is when you're really going to start to feel it. So that second day after a bad night's sleep is when you feel it. So I wouldn't think about how you slept the night before. I would think about how did you sleep two nights before. That's something that I always try to think about. Um, How much stress do you have at work? You know, have you had a super stressful day where you putting out fires all day long? Were you running on adrenaline all day and having trouble to come down? All those things are going to going to play a role. Did you sit in the car? Did you drive three hours and back? somewhere today and then come in and trying to set a PR on your back squat. That's gonna be really tough to do. If you've been sitting in the car all day, there's so many factors that play a role that if we just really start thinking about, we can really start to pinpoint, well, yeah, of course you shouldn't expect to set a PR when you are running on three hours of sleep from two nights ago and you were in the car all day yesterday. There's, there's so much that goes into it. I think we could, you know, like you said, you can, overanalyze it even you know and try to think about so many different things but the big rocks are always the same you know did I drink enough water am I dehydrated because you're not going to feel you're going to feel lethargic it's going to be hard to get up it's going to be hard to feel energized um, if if you're a little bit dehydrated it's the same if you haven't eaten very much I mean you, you're just not going to come in at 4 30 in the afternoon and hit a front squat PR if you haven't if you haven't done uh, you missed lunch or you had a small breakfast, you missed lunch, you were on the road all day and you come in and you haven't really had a solid meal in nine hours. Your body's probably feeling pretty depleted. And so um, that's a factor. Like you mentioned before, it is so extremely rare to be in a phase of of your training where you're wanting to lose weight and then to also try to hit strength PRs. Because again, we just said like being fueled up and energized is going to take uh, is going to be a huge factor of feeling strong, and oftentimes in a in a calorie deficit, you're you're not feeling that way. So things where, like you said, that that unicorn situation where you feel like you're getting stronger and losing weight is if you're losing enough weight to where you're actually lighter, then maybe your squat is. If you lose 10, 15 pounds, your squat is going to feel a lot stronger because you've lost 15 pounds. You may add five or 10 pounds to the bar, and you're still the weight just standing on the ground is lighter than it was. You so actually lifted less than you did You previously. lifted less than you did. But just more on the bar and less on your body. That's it. Unless the, all the weight's in your feet or your ankles. So, uh, But, you know, <laughs> in, in that case, that would be an example. Um, if you're at the beginning of a weight loss, say you just started the Beachbody Challenger in week three, uh, yeah, you're probably – and you're trying to lose two pounds a week, you're probably going to feel pretty depleted. And I would say your main goal is – is focused on your body composition and that you know a front squat pr isn't the focus it's not the main priority right now getting your diet dialed in and and really seeing what a calorie deficit is what's going to happen though is like we just said long term you get through that phase long term the prs are going to come when you start adding those calories back in uh, and that's when you're really going to see that perfect scenario where you are living 10 or 15 pounds lighter, but you're feeling like you're stronger than ever. Yeah. One thing I'll finish with, unless you have anything else you want to go into Caleb mm-hmm. is, um, just because you didn't set a PR doesn't mean that you haven't made progress or that all that work was in vain. I've seen this a lot and I've had these thoughts before and you do a squat cycle for 12 weeks and then you don't set a PR and you're thinking to yourself, well, I just wasted 12 weeks working on this. 
just because you didn't set a PR on that particular day does not mean that you didn't get stronger. And also could, means you could have gotten stronger in other areas. Maybe you got your strength endurance got better. Maybe you could do heavier for a set of five and your one rep didn't just go up, you know, in, in strength uh, terms. Or maybe you didn't set a, a PR on one particular workout, but you're way fitter on in a lot of other areas in, inside the gym. And what I've seen from so many years is a lot of time there's a lagging um, benefit or progress from strength training cycles, especially the farther along you get in your training journey where you'll do work on a specific lift for a very long period of time and then make minimal to no progress, it seems. And then all of a sudden, three to six months later, you haven't worked a whole lot on it and you set a big PR because sometimes your body is just really overworked because you've been working on something for so long and it's going to take a little time for it to adapt and and recover and come back stronger and so it just because you didn't set a pr on this given day doesn't mean that you didn't make progress that you haven't um, gotten stronger that you haven't gotten fitter there's just a whole lot of variables out there and so um if you are that person and we all are that person so many times inside the gym where we're working on something we think we're going to set a pr and we don't I would just encourage you, don't be discouraged. It happens to everybody. Um, and all you can do is think, well, maybe let's let's kind of think about what happened here. Is there a reason? Could I have done some things better? Or is it just maybe it's going to take a little bit more time for it to re- show results on this particular lift? Or maybe I made progress in other areas and just haven't even realized it. So Yeah, I, I, think I agree with that. That's just – it's just – I think recognizing all the different factors that could be at play and say, you know what, it doesn't mean I did anything wrong. There could be something that's without, with, with not within my control, uh, or it could be a learning experience for me. But I like what you said about that lagging. Um, you know, if you've put in all the work to do this, the whole point was all the work. It, you know, that day you could have something in your mind. You could be thinking about something um, and just not be in the mood to PR. And that's fine. That happens to every person. Uh, you could, you know, that PR could happen next week or you may not actually make the PR, but you may just be walking around stronger. And when you do your workouts every day, you're, you're stronger than you are. That's most likely the case. And so, um, you know, don't, don't be discouraged with it, I think is the point of the conversation yeah. because there's so many, there's so many factors that go into it that, it's impossible to control all of them. We just hope that if you do enough work, then even your bad day, you're stronger than you were. And, um, you know, in that case, then it should be celebrated and you should definitely take the time to celebrate because it is a lot of work. There's been so many instances thinking back on it in my training, uh, journey when the day I had set to set a PR, the day I was going to max, I didn't max or hit a PR and then a, a completely different random training day that I wasn't supposed to PR, I felt great. And all of a sudden I set a 20 pound PR. You know, it's just, there's so many things. The body is such a crazy thing that you just never, never really know. And so, um, if you don't set a PR, don't be frustrated. All your work wasn't wasted. It, your body definitely remembers that you definitely got a lot of out of it, out of it. But if you did set a PR, that's awesome. Enjoy it. Congrats to you. And, uh, it's those things that make us uh, motivated and, and coming back, you know, ready to train hard the next day. So um, that that's a great segment, and we are going to move on to the next part, outside the box. All right, Caleb. So I'll go ahead and I'll start with uh, with our girls. So uh, both of our girls came a little bit early, and uh, so they've been here for 
almost three weeks now, and it's been, man, it's been, I'd say, the best two and a half weeks of my life. It's been so awesome um, getting to see them finally. We talked about this on the podcast a lot. Uh, looking forward to seeing them and getting to to see what they look like and seeing their personalities and um, be a parent to them with Claire has been, man, it's been so awesome. And so I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And thank you to everybody that's reached out and checked on us. And, um, it's been a blast. It really has been, but I have a couple stories I'm going to, I'll, I'll share on these next two, uh, episodes. Cause <laughs> I was just thinking that, that they were pretty funny. So the first one and Caleb, I'm sure you can relate to this. When we were at the hospital, it just all seemed like one big long day. It was like, people keep coming in constantly every like hour, two hours, there's a different person coming in to check on mom, to check on the girls, you know, do tests or whatever. And so it was just constantly this steady flow of people in and out. And I never really slept more than an hour or two. And so it just seemed like it all ran together and people would be coming in and I'd be half awake, half asleep. Well, this one nurse came in and so she started talking to us about SIDS and what it was and why it happens and, you know, all these things about it. And, I was just in a such a tired state at that time and kind of twilight zone, half awake, half asleep. I'm sure it was probably in the middle of the night or something. It just really hit me in a really weird way to, mm-hmm. to where I got really freaked out about it. <laughs> so, so I was like, it was on my mind, like, oh my gosh, gonna, are they going to suffocate or? So, anyways, we we take them home, and our original plan was for them to sleep in the same bassinet because, you know, they're twins, they're just born. We didn't figure they'd be moving around that much. Well, sure enough, we put them in there and they're, they're moving around like, like fish on a boat or something like just <laughs> rolling around. Like every time I look over there, it's like a magnet has them pulled back to each other and one's foot's in the other one's face, one's face is in the other one's back. And so I just started getting really freaked out about well, what, you know, what if one, one of them suffocates on the other one? And so we made it through the first night. It was fine. And then the second night they, it was even worse. Like one of them was straight in the other one's back. And I just told Claire, I said, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight with him in this bassinet because I'm just, I, I, I got up like 10 different times to go and look at them and pulling them apart. And then they kept going back together. So we started thinking like, well, what can we do? And I was like, well, can they sleep in their, in their car seats? And she was like, no, no, they can't sleep in the car seats. So I was like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah. all right, well, um, all right, I'm going to go get one of their cribs and bring it in there. And so I, I get in there and it's a big bulky crib and Claire can't help me carry because she had had her, her, her surgery. And so I'm, I'm like grabbing it on the side and like kind of waddling sideways with it. And I get to the door and I have to get behind it and grab it from behind and like lean back. So the front part is up, up off the ground and kind of scooch forward halfway through the door and then climb over to the other side and do the same thing and walk backwards with it out the door. And I get in the living room and then I walk it all the way. And then I realize our bedroom is at a 90 degree angle. And I'm not going to get it around the oh, angle. No. So I take it all the way back, same process, put it back in their, in their room. And, <laughs> and so then I'm go back in there. We're back to square one. And then we were just like, well, why don't we just take it in the living room? We can sleep on the couches tonight. And so I go back out, bring it back into, <laughs> no. scoot it back out. I mean, this is like a 30 minute process. And I finally get in the living room. We move the other bassinet in there and uh, we take them in there and we both get ourselves situated on the couch and couches and the dogs are like kind of freaking out. Like what is going on? This is weird. And I just remember, I mean, it was like two in the morning and I was just laying there. I was like, man, this is the best thing in the world. Like it was so yeah. awesome. Um, like there's no, nothing else I'd rather be than doing this. And so anyways, we made it through the night and Claire's mom was staying with us and she came in the next morning. She was like, how did that crib get in? Yeah. The 
living room. And, and then we told her about me carrying it back and forth. And I was also thinking, man, I am so glad that I work out. This is one of the moments in my life where I've just been, if I don't, if I, if I, if I didn't have all these years of training, there's no way I would have been able to do that. And I would have been freaked out the entire mm-hmm. night. Um, but I was at least able to bring one of their cribs in there and, and for them to be able to sleep in it. So we ended up getting a bassinet the next night and now they both sleep in bassinets right next to each other. And it's, it's, it's been fine, but that was just such a funny moment of, uh, pure panic. And that was the first time I really realized how much anxiety is going to come with being a parent of all of a sudden, I'm just so worried about these two little girls and I can't stop thinking about what, you know, my heart is outside my body, you know, and so it's it's been really fun. That's the one thing I text you, and I remember texting about it. I was like, man, I'm just going to tell all my friends because I have, you know, we have like four or five different close friends who are having babies in the ne- within a, like a three-month period. And I'm like, if there's one thing that I learned, it was to warn people of that dark depression that sets in the first couple nights when you're not sleeping and you get that first worry, that real anxiety starts to hit and you're alone and you realize like there's not a nurse to help there's not someone right here and you're like am i ever going to sleep again like i'm always going to have this worry or this this fear and then it just goes away it's like then you get to that enjoyment and it's worth every second and so i think i said like just get through the night because when the sun starts to come up the next morning it's all worth it like the morning time all those worries. It's like, man, I don't know why I was so worried about that. And you go through and every day it gets a little bit easier, but man, that's a scary feeling that every parent yeah, can is. relate to. Every single person can relate to that. And so, um, that's the club that I feel like you join is, <laughs> is like the, this is what it's like to have that anxiousness and have to just to learn to, uh, process that in a healthy way mm-hmm. and, and be able to live and function. So, yeah. Man, outside the box, it's Halloween. I love this time of year because I like the I like the old scary movies. We watched Halloween one. Wells and I we we watched the first oh, Halloween. Man, good for him. Um, so he didn't cry at all. He was <laughs> he didn't. Michael Myers didn't bother him. Uh, but no, I love the fall and I love like just the whole you know the the time of year where there's football on. The NBA started. There's playoff baseball. There's uh, you know all these creepy scary movies that um that are just kind of fun and so uh we are this is kind of like prime prime mississippi weather right now so we get a couple oh, weeks out beautiful of it. beautiful gotta enjoy it while we can so that's it um i have a recommend all right uh i posted about it today but i'm a huge blink 182 fan i was an angels and airwaves fan when they started after blink kind of shut it down for a little while um and Blink has come out with a new album called One More Time, and it ha- hits all the sentimental uh, notes and chords and choruses that a lot of the classic songs that I was in high school and junior high listening to on buses and traveling to soccer games. And it uh, it's a real sentimental ride. So uh, if you are in that stage uh, of life where that um, punk rock kind of define the childhood and early teenage years blink 182 one more time new album there you go um so my recommend this episode will actually come out on halloween and uh we watched a tv show on netflix called the fall of the house of usher and 
It is by the same people who did The Haunting of Hill House. Did you watch that show? Seen them all. Yeah. Did you watch The Fall of the House of Usher? We made it through seven episodes, and Sarah said I had to finish on my own because <laughs> there's a crude. part, no spoiler alert, but there's a part where people start getting these things stuck in their head, yeah. and that's like her greatest fear oh, is God. stuff. So she's like, I'm out. On, yeah. I'm out on people hearing noises and can't figure out where it is. It was a. Uh, it was intense. There were some definitely intense parts, but... It is a show on Netflix, and it has most of the people that were in The Haunting of Hill House. Um, so if you watch that, you'll recognize most of the actors here. It's based on a poem by Edgar Allan Poe, and all of the episodes kind of go through all of Edgar Allan Poe's poems. Um, and it, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely, there were some pretty disturbing parts in it, to be honest. Uh, and it was pretty over the top, but I really enjoyed uh, the show. It was a good kind of creepy Halloween type show, eight episodes on Netflix. We kind of blew through it in a couple of days. And uh, I mean, it's not Saw. So, like, it's, it's not, not that kind of creepy. It's just a good little jump scare, little psychological thriller. It, it wasn't the, the jumpy scary. It was more of the, like, some of the ways that people die was just ghastly. They're, they're unsettling. Yeah, very but, unsettling. But it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. If your kids are under one, they're probably good. They won't yeah. remember it. But in yeah. that, like, I wouldn't uh, have the kids watch like it, yeah. two to two to ten range, probably not. Wait till they go to college to watch the show. But I, I enjoyed it. If you like creepy stuff, watch it on um, on Netflix. Also, there was one of the episodes had a song on it that I really I, I had you to, posted that. I, had and to, I was like, what did Hunter just did? You mean to, to post that? I like, had to, I had the SoundCloud, and I was like, man, I really like this song. It was uh, it was hitting. Um, so, anyways, I also got a good song out of it, but. Uh, that was a, uh, a good one. If you, if you enjoy that kind of stuff, check it out on Netflix. Well, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We will catch you next time. Silky smooth sounds.